Hi, this is Mimi. And this is Lee. And this is Getting Rich After Divorce. We're two divorced women who decided the best way to get rich was to embrace our entrepreneurial spirits and build our own business. To us, rich means the money in your bank account, but also the quality of your life, your experiences, and your personal well-being. You're here to overcome doubt, fear, burnout, and finally get unstuck to build a business you love and makes you rich. You also want to learn how to do all of this while navigating the challenges divorced women face. If that's you, stick with us. You're in the right place. Hi, this is Mimi. And this is Lee, and you're listening to Getting Rich After Divorce. And we have a special guest today, Leanne Petit. And I just, before we get started, before uh, Leanne introduces herself, I would just want to, if you're watching us on YouTube, we did wear our uniforms today, (laughs) intentionally. (laughs) Mimi and I are actually both in black turtlenecks, and Leanne has on a beautiful red or fuchsia turtleneck, so that's really funny. Um, And we all have on our glasses. (laughs) So Leanne, um, the topic today is an Enneagram. I always want to say Enneagram, but it's Enneagram and uh, a fascinating topic. A lot of people have heard about it. Um, Some people have taken, you know, the test to see what their type is. But as with most of these tests, you don't know what to do with the score once you get it. It's like, oh, cool. I'm a nine or I'm a two or I'm a five. And then, then what? So Leanne is here to help us sort through all of this and help you understand a little bit more what you do, what do you do after the test. So Leanne, go ahead and um, introduce yourself. Great. I'm Leanne Poteet. I am a graphic designer and I have um, done some life coaching as well. And I'm obsessed with the Enneagram. And so I was so happy to be asked to do this because I love talking Enneagram. Um, I didn't yeah I love that your question was Lee what do you do with this because I've always been interested in you know personality types and learning more about how what I am how I work I um I remember doing the uh, Myers-Briggs and finding out oh I'm an INF uh INFP I guess and um what do I do with that and it just sort of felt like, well, okay, I'm introverted. That's just it. That's how I am. Um, (laughs) And I had heard about the Enneagram and I thought it was ridiculously confusing and I didn't get into it for a while. Um, Then I was introduced to it by uh, my life coach and I decided to delve in and found that it is a different kind of system because it does take you on a path like um if you you are you are well you are the same type of, of a life for your lifetime generally um but there's a lot of growth potential um obviously in all of us and the enneagram for me can be like a map towards that um okay a map good yeah so um, so just give like a brief definition if somebody said to you, what is Enneagram? Okay. Just kind of what, what is it? And if you have any, um, just like can touch on the history of it and where. Okay. 
to the best of your knowledge. Yeah, what, <laughs> what's, what's made it so popular, like kind of yeah. what its evolution? Yeah, it's um, it's an it's a personality system. Um, I I've heard that it it is ancient, that it came from the Sufis, and I'm not sure if that's true or not. Um, so it was developed more in the 1970s, and that is my understanding is that's when it came to the United States. And I think just through social media and people being um, really interested in it, it's been shared a lot. There's been a ton of books written about it, and there are a lot of websites um, that you can go to. And there's not actually one conclusive test for finding your type either. Um, so there's a lot of tests you can do online that are free and some that are that charge money for. Um, but then the, really, it, it has developed a lot recently. And the best way to find out your type is to research all of the types and to see what resonates with you. So I'm hoping that we can sort of talk about each type just briefly and. Yeah. And we will, in our show notes, we're going to put the link that Leanne gave us for Mimi and I to take the test again. Um, and I'll talk more about like what our results are, were, and we're going to have some questions about how you use it. But first, I think Leanne wants to go through the nine types um, just to give you guys an overview of what they are and be listening, like she said, intuitively, does one stand out to you? Yeah. It'll be interesting. And then take the test and see what happens. Right. So, yeah. And Lee, I'll give you some other resources to put in your show notes as well. Okay. Good. Because, because there's some great books and other websites too. Awesome. So um, the types are designated by numbers. So one through nine. And there are also some sort of common labels um, with them, but that's not as um, standardized. So type one can be called the perfectionist or also could be the reformer. And the Enneagram is um, really, you can define the type by their motivation, not so much by their behavior, but uh, what fears and desires does this each type have? So ones are motivated by the need to live life the right way um, they like to improve themselves and the world around them. Um, oh, I also came up with some examples sort of of characters or people that are well known that you might think of. Oh, yeah. great. Yay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I love this one. The example I have for type one is Mary Poppins. Oh, nice. Um, type two is the helper or the giver. And they are motivated by the need to be loved and valued and to express their positive feelings toward, towards others. Um, the example there is Mother Teresa. I'm a, I'm a type two was my strongest. <laughs> there you go. I would not say I was Mother Teresa, but. <laughs> <laughs> type twos are saints, right? <laughs> um, type three is the achiever. And threes are motivated by the need to be productive, achieve success, and avoid failure. Um, this, the example I have is Bill Clinton. 
Might be a little terrible. <laughs> I should have come up with a different example. <laughs> oh, yeah. funny. Okay. I know. So would you say that that person is pursuing success yes. for success's sake? Like, because for, they want to be perceived as successful? Perceived as successful, exactly. Um, productive. Uh, definitely don't want to look like a failure. Okay. Yeah. Um, type four is the individualist and fours are motivated by the need to experience their feelings, be understood, search for the meaning of life and avoid being ordinary. That's so funny because when I read the names, I was like, oh, I think that's going to be me. And it didn't even show up in my <laughs> top things. So the, right. the way you describe, like, cause when you hear the name, it's like, oh, everybody wants to feel like like, oh, I'm unique or something, but exactly the way you described it was like, oh, I can see why that probably isn't me at all. What is, right, number two, what is number two trying to avoid? They are trying to avoid um, being unworthy of being loved or being unwanted. Um, I like that you said that, Mimi, because, right, it's, the, the labels can actually be a little confusing sometimes if you just go by that. And yeah. Um, I think, right, like I was saying at the beginning, the Enneagram was hard for me to get into because it seems so complicated. I have to read all this stuff about everything. There's nine types. Right. Um, but that's kind of the gift of it as well, because it isn't just like, hey, you're a four. Bye bye. You know, it, yeah. you, you really get to explore it. Yeah. And the thing I like about that, too, is when you do start reading about yourself, um, it doesn't fail to talk about the negative parts either. And so you start to cringe and you go, oh, really? Oh, somebody sees me that much. <laughs> right. But as I was yeah. saying, the, the path to healing really is seeing that, knowing that you're not the only one with that. There's this, you know, type that definitely moves toward that. And as you see that and accept it, that really takes you to a healing place. That's one of the gifts. Yeah. Um, we'll try to remember that as we feel naked yeah. being described. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Type five is sometimes called the investigator. So they are motivated by the need to know and understand everything. They want to be self-sufficient and they definitely don't want to look foolish. They want to avoid that. Um, an example is Albert Einstein. Um, type six is the loyalist. They are motivated by fear and the need for security. They value friendship and loyalty and they like to be prepared. They kind of the worst scenario type of people, you know, what's, what's gonna happen, I wanna be prepared. Um, I don't know, the example I have is weird, so I'm gonna skip. <laughs> my mom, just so right now. Okay. My mom is <laughs> one too. That's funny. That's my example. <laughs> Your mom. <laughs> Type seven is the enthusiast or the adventurer. Um, they're motivated by the need to be happy and do enjoyable activities and avoid pain and suffering. Um, example I have is Robin Williams. Uh -huh. And we see the darker side of that. Right, exactly. Yeah. Type eight is the challenger. Eights are motivated by the need to be self-reliant, strong, avoid feeling weak, 
are dependent. They like to take control. Example is MLK, Martin Luther King Jr. Oh, interesting one. Yeah. I wouldn't have picked, I mean, Challenger, I can see that in terms of politically, but right. um, yeah. So, so actually, you know, there's, you, when we talk about the Enneagram, we talk, we can talk about high levels within a type, low levels within a type. All of us have that. Yeah. Um, MLK was functioning at the very highest of the eight. Got you. Um, and they uh, really like to protect people, especially the underdog. Um, so you can see that type of characteristic. Ah, that makes more sense. Thank yeah. You. And then type nine is the peacemaker. So nines are motivated by the need to keep peace, to merge with others and avoid conflict. Um, example is Mr. Rogers. Mm. Um, yeah, that's where I was the second. So um, I thank you for walking through those yeah. and just kind of talking about how I love the idea that we all have a lot of them because you really can yeah. resonate with both the positive and the, you know, um, more challenging aspects of each one. So it was good just to have that kind of brief overview. There's, there's another part of it when you talk about we can resonate with um, uh, many other types. Um, there's a part of the Enneagram that is called the wings. So what that is, is um, as you're, you have a core type and then you have, you often have a wing, which is one of the two types on either side of you. So as a four, my wing could be either a three or a five. And so that means I can exhibit characteristics of the three or the five, or I can identify somewhat with either of those. Mm. And generally people do have a wing. Some people identify with both wings and occasionally people don't identify with either and they're sort of more pure or type. Mm -hmm. But that can be a, a helpful way to find your type as well. Like you, if you think, oh, I kind of am a four, but I sort of feel like a three as well. Um, you might be one or the other. And um, then you sort of read more about that. And where do you find your motivation? Mm. Are you motivated more by wanting to feel special, which would be a four, or by wanting to look like you've done a lot? be successful, which would be a three. Hmm. Okay, so I have a question. I've never heard Enneagram spoken about has, it's what's your motivator, not what your actions are. Yeah. So if, if like in your heart, okay, let's say I'm a two, right? So as if I'm like, that should be my motivator, but I'm not performing and my actions aren't reflecting that. Would that kind of indicate to me that maybe I'm not being as authentic as I should? Like if your behaviors aren't matching up with what your Enneagram motivator is saying, like what, what does that say about how you're living your life or anything? <laughs> I think it has, I think you, when you get to behaviors, you're probably looking more at where your, your mindset is at the time. Are you feeling in a healthy place or are you feeling more in a stressful place? And the other 
part of the Enneagram is there are points on, it's usually thought of as a circle and the points are around the circle. And each of us uh, as our core point, we have a point that we move toward when we're in stress and a point that we, a different point that we move toward when we're more healthy or in growth. Um, so if you have felt like you are too, that that's sort of your core point, then in stress, you move toward, let me check, eight, which is the challenger, the one who wants to be in control of things. Um, the one who, and, and, you, and you move towards sort of the low end of that number. So it wouldn't be the high, um, you know, let me protect the underdog part of the eight. It would be let me be in conflict, let me, you know, have, I'm having, taking control on this situation kind of thing. Does that make sense or help at all? Yeah, it really does. And it's fascinating because as my marriage was ending, I definitely, like, when you were saying that, I was like, oh, it's like you're getting in fists up stance or exactly. kind of controlling thing. And I felt that like being consumed by that. And so I remember one year for Lent, I was like, I have to consciously break from this. So for Lent, I gave up being in control of things I wasn't supposed to be in control of. Brilliant. Like, like I could feel that, like this, this just didn't write. I got That is so much more meaningful than giving up chocolate or something like that. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> I love that you did that. So yeah. self-reflective too. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, I want to say we're going to, what we tend to do is um, just to help people with examples, Mimi and I are gonna talk about our scores and Leanne's gonna help us understand what, what that means and also what how we might, how is it a map? And yeah. we'd love to know Leanne's scores too. She wants to reveal those. And she yeah. can talk about how it's been a map for her. But what I wanna say about my score is Mine have changed. When I first met Leanne, we were in coach training together like seven years ago. Yeah. And um, I can't believe it's been that long. <laughs> and my score was a pretty solid nine. I forget what the wing was, but um, I know I was a nine. And then just now I took it and let me read to you what it says. Um. I know it's a, it's a, the top guess and they, they even like the score said, we're not sure what you are basically. <laughs> and, um, hang on, my phone is just spinning, but let me get to the actual thing here. Yeah. So it says you're most likely a three and, um, it's the, the top wing sequence that it gives is a, a three wing two. But the, all the scores were really, really close. Um, type seven was also my next highest score, like really close to the three. And um, so I had asked Leanne before we got on and recorded, but Leanne, what did you want to tell him what you said to me about that? Yeah. So it's useful um, to think of yourself as a 25-year-old mm -hmm. um, when you're trying to determine your type. And I think that maybe because our prefrontal cortexes are, you know, finely developed at that age, and there were more kind of raw in our raw personality. Um, so if you can think back to how you were then, um, and what motivated you, then that can be helpful. Um, because in fact, 
you know, as we grow and develop and have experiences, we do sort of become more of all of the types. We're not, you know, it's not just a rigid system where you're stuck as a four. Um, you know, you would hope to be become more well-rounded and, and enjoy experiencing a lot of the, the cool characteristics of all of them. And I think we, ha we all have all of this in us. It's, it does come down to um, what motivates us. Mm -hmm. So at 25, I don't know what Mimi would say about me as a 25 year old. I didn't <laughs> and, know her then. Oh, and I don't right. know if I want to know <laughs> what Mimi thought of me as a 25 year old. We were roommates yeah. then, so. That's great. We were, and we were in Boston. We were having a good time. So um, that was definitely on the surface. But at 25, I started to get more serious. I do remember feeling much more concentrated on what am I going to, what's my career? Career became a thing. With respect to the three, which I know is like the achiever, mm -hmm. um, I did start thinking about things. I had like 80 different things I wanted to be, and I could, it was hard for me to narrow it down. Um, but I was starting to consider more and more becoming a doctor. And so I was, I actually went back and started taking classes uh, to beef up my um, sciences so that I could apply. But I was also exploring many other pathways in academia. Um, and I, I did none of this actually, because I got married and had, we had a baby right away and I ended up doing none of it. But I was, I was, I would say I was kind of achievement oriented, so I could kind of see the three, but I was also more adventurous and I think fun loving and wanted to try a bunch of different things. And, uh, but I, I do know that achievement streak came in where I was trying to follow a pathway toward achievement. So I do, mm -hmm. I do see that in my personality. That's definitely mm -hmm. there. And, you know, I'm somebody who likes to start businesses and help other people start businesses. So that kind of links with that achievement thing. Um, exactly. I think that's fascinating. Um, and funny enough, the three, six, and nine are connected. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've seen this um, sort of map that the Enneagram is. It's a circle with different arrows. In I've seen, world. yeah, I've seen that. Right. I'll have to really study it some more. So right. Yeah, it's, um, so when I say that you have a point where you go to, to when you're in health and one when you go to when you're in stress. So the three and the six and the nine are connected in that way. Mm -hmm. And the three goes to the nine in health. Is that correct? No, the six in health and the nine in um, stress. So the that six, I, I yeah. brought up the six because they are often the people who do build businesses and um, I think Martha Beck, in fact, is a six. So that kind of energy is um, six-like. Mm -hmm. um, and then when you thought you were a nine, I was very stressed out and trying to hold my family together. There was a lot of stress because I was post-divorce, which, you know, all of us here are divorced and our audience right. members are divorced. But I would say when I met you, Leanne, I was much more in the thick of even still trying to figure out like some of the legal stuff with my ex. And yes, I, I was definitely at more of a stress level than even, which is weird because there's a lot of stressful stuff going on in my life because I'm in the sandwich generation and I've got a, you know, an elderly mom who I've been trying to take care of, but <laughs> um, 
but that, but I think I've managed my stress better now than I did then. Mm-hmm. Like I've had years of learning how to manage stress. So I, I probably deal with my stress better now than I did at that point in time, even though I was learning how to do it. That's so right. that makes sense to me because the nine for me, Leanne, was not that I'm at heart a peacemaker, but I was desperately trying to make things more, less chaotic and more peaceful. Exactly. So more likely to be a quote unquote peacemaker. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, yeah. um, The sort of lower level of the nine also can include a numbing out. Yes, yeah. Totally get that. Yeah. Totally get that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fascinating. So three makes a lot of sense to me. What's the high of the six? Like if that's me in health, what is that? Right, so that's loyalty, friendship, um, building, systems like a business yeah Um, yeah that makes sense okay thank you so much for explaining that because I think for people out there who are like huh or I'm having a hard time connecting to this you know tight to think back to yourself at the age of 25 to see what you were all about in that time frame as you were shifting to adulthood right and then, yeah, the the adventuring part of us all when we're 25, um, you know, is is fun to think about. And some people, you know, could find that they are a seven because of that. But the rest of us, it's just maybe the function of our age at that, you know, that point of life. Right, so right. That makes sense. A little complicated, yeah. I joke all the time that I would have loved age 26 and 27 to have lasted a decade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like the right? those like late 20s, depending on where you were, I was still single. And so life was all about me. And <laughs> I was, you know, I wasn't the poverty stricken child that I was right when I came out of college and got my first job. And I was like, just that freedom. Mm-hmm. So I can see why looking back, for a lot of people to that age would give you an indication of Mm -hmm. kind of what your motivation. Yeah. What do you find um, for you, Mimi, about your, what type you think you are from when you were 25? So when I come in as 22 and the helper, um, I definitely have been that my entire life. Uh You know, I have stepped in. Um, I'm one of four children that are super close in age. And I'm the oldest daughter. I'm number two in the hierarchy. And my mom was 23 when she had her fourth child. Wow. So we were, we were tight and a family all growing together. And I think as the oldest daughter, I really Mm -hmm. stepped into that, you know, like mama's helper everything, you know, what can I give and how can I do that from a very early age so I think that like you know battling control sometimes is is, has been has become a coping mechanism so I can see the two so well and I just had a question too about the scores so when you get your scores back right they're numbered too so it's like so like I'm type two and it says next to it 11. That might be the like I don't know the highest the number of questions that you got for that or it's just the highest score I'm not sure how how they get it because my next one is like an eight and then all the other ones are like kind of grouped together in that like 
six to eight range. So it's like, I felt like, oh, I was like way up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like my two is like really pulled away from Mm -hmm. everything else. So I wonder if that's like, I hadn't thought about it till you were talking about like the high level of the two, like I'm. Yeah, I think that's a little different. I think that's just a scoring thing for the test. Yeah, but, and we all, um, we all have high level and low level of our numbers, even within the same day. It's, um, it's not, unfortunately, it's not like you can achieve the the highest level and then you're set. (laughs) Darn it. Darn. Check that off my list. I've been my perfect helper today. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But it's interesting for twos, we talked about when you disintegrate or go into stress, you go to eight, but they all, um, for a health or a growth point, they go to four, um, which is, as we talked about the individualist, um, and the highest form of that can be creativity. So as I talked about using the Enneagram as a map, sometimes you might say, listen, I'm a little stuck here in my giving for others. Where, where can I go? How can I sort of get out of that? Maybe I, what can I do as going to the four would be more thinking about myself. What do I need? Um, maybe I can explore my creativity. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, definitely. I can, I can see that for me. My favorite place in my house is my craft closet. I don't even have to do anything with it. I can literally when I'm having a bad moment, just open it, you know, (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Look at all of these supplies. I remember my sister-in-law called me one time. She has two sons and I have two daughters. She Mm. goes, oh, we have to do this science project and we can only use supplies in our house. And I'm like, oh, I wish you, you were in my house because you would have every supply you could possibly need um so yeah i love i love seeing the individualist in that way as creativity because i believe that creativity can can be so healing yeah so i I definitely resonate with that as a two do you feel sometimes that you do get stuck in just giving for others anticipate what others need Mm -hmm. doing for them and then you lose kind of yourself yeah and totally withdraw like becomes a and i think that creativity can sometimes be a like yeah stepping back into yourself and yes. replenishing mm-hmm. yeah yeah totally and as a four for me I'm I'm the four the individualist and the um I can get too into myself you know just too like oh poor me and I can do grass is greener kind of stuff envy is a kind of a um downside of a four and a path away from that is towards a one that's what fours go to in in health and ones um can be hey what's kind of the right way to do things here what's the moral thing to do oh cool Um, even like i find that doing stuff like you know clearing clutter or organizing takes me out of my for me kind of place into a healthier place um, and actually for my, um, point of disintegration, my stress point is a two mm-hmm. and that can be where I'm like, Oh, just let me be recognized for all I give. Mm-hmm. So, 
Oh, that's so interesting. I think this makes so much more sense to me when you talk about it in relationship to your triad, mm -hmm. this four makes way more sense. Okay, good. Um, just looking at it as a silo, which I think a lot of people would tend to do, mm -hmm. it feels a little bit like the My Myers-Briggs is like, oh, great, I've been labeled. Yeah. Oddly, they labeled me an extrovert, but I feel so much like an introvert. I'm wondering like, do I just take tests badly <laughs> because I'm getting like all these wacky scores? But because um, I don't, but so it feels like, oh, here, there's like a stamp on your forehead. Yes. You're like an ENFP and um, great. You know, it's like you're exactly. labeled. Perfect. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but with this, I like how it can show you more about how you are motivated mm -hmm. and also maybe because you're motivated, how you behave. Mm -hmm. when you're stressed out, when you're feeling healthy, that's, that's easier for me to understand what to do with it. Because mm -hmm. then it gives me a place I can look, I can look to this, I know nothing about a six. So I can go read up on that and see, you know, could these activities, these motivators pull me out of a bad place? You know, exactly. I like that idea. You know, another fabulous benefit of the Enneagram is we can feel compassion for other people, other numbers. I, I found that so wonderful for me, like um, rather than feeling so annoying, why are you telling me all this information? I realize, oh, he's a five. You know, he gets his uh, feeling of usefulness by having a lot of knowledge and wants to share it with people he loves. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, oh, good. I, I get that and I, totally feel a lot more compassion um and there's a trick about it you don't want to go about your life typing other people mm -hmm. that's kind of an ethical thing um yeah. but you can you know use it by seeing what kind of characteristics people in your life have and um helping you to understand them more um reading about their possible type everyone should be able to type themselves some people don't want to be typed or don't have any interest in wanting to know what their type is yeah. um, and so when I have coached parents I have said you know you can't really type your kids for one they're young um, but you can look at these types and see what they are you know exhibiting and how you might feel some compassion for them because mm -hmm. of what you know is the motivator for someone who might have that type. Right. So yeah. that makes me, you know, I know you said you were a coach and did coaching. Do you use Enneagram in your coaching yeah. directly or indirectly or both? Um, both because I love it and I'm obsessed with it and I think it's so useful. So if a client um, also, you know, can get into it, then we can really use it as a tool. Some people don't want to, and that's fine, but that's a that's true for any tool in coaching. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I have seen people get really interested and find it very helpful in their personal growth. Yeah, I mean, I found it fascinating just through this conversation, being able to connect at different points in my life and mm -hmm. see where it was showing up and how without even knowing it, mm -hmm you know, I was following this rubric of, yeah, exactly. of types. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And yeah, I can definitely see it. And it almost can make it easier to talk about yourself in relation to this. Like, you know, it's, it seems like a um, very open pathway into conversations about what could be some potentially hard conversations. Oh my gosh. You should, also, you should be around Enneagram people. Like they, they just go crazy. <laughs> numbers here and there. And it's like, everybody's following along. Yeah. They're so obsessed, but no, normal people can talk about it too. <laughs> normal people. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. I, I consider myself abnormal Enneagram weird. Yeah. Yeah. But no, yeah, it's it's fun to and helpful to say, see, oh hey, I'm not just this one-off weirdo. I am actually a part of this number. And there's some behavior patterns and motivations that I relate to and I'm not weird. <laughs> yeah. So if so a lot of a lot of people who come to us, you know, to you know, help get help starting a business. They're they're going to be usually having an online business as a coach, a consultant, or a teacher. So, how could somebody take the enneagram assessment? You know, figure out all these things about themselves. How would you use it for yourself as a solopreneur? How could it help you? I know that's a tricky question, but yeah, things that come to mind are definitely the compassion for yourself. I mean, you, you know, when you're taking risks, putting yourself out there, you can feel very vulnerable. And um, if you can just take some time and look at your type, you can really spend time seeing, oh, these might be my weaknesses, but okay, I can accept them. I can be okay with that. And move forward that way. Um, I find that really helpful. Um, another way is like I was saying, when you sort of can see other people's personality characteristics, you might find it useful if you're working with a vendor or um, a client who exhibits an eight personality, a challenger. Mm -hmm. Oh, let me go and see what, how it's best to approach somebody like that. Um, I think that, you know, that can be really helpful. Yeah. I mean, and it, it, it's also when you even go into thinking about it, the way you just kind of went through to do that, you have to take a step back and take a breath. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. you're not just in, um, fear, you know, fight or flight or freeze or fawn or all the things from, you know, the fear response. Absolutely. If there's like a challenging situation, it's more like you can take a breath, take a step back, think about it through this framework mm -hmm. to see if that can help you find a way forward in a more challenging situation. I, what comes to mind for me, because burnout is definitely my issue um, like the, probably the hardest thing for me and moving forward in my business is just dealing with, um, trying to keep burnout at bay is I'm imagining that in that triad. So for me, when I'm not well, I would slide into a nine that if you find yourself sliding into a nine, like you just like, let's just not confront anybody. Let's just keep like, don't say anything. Cause you don't want to make a wave. Um, or you're numbing out, like for me, that would be binge watching, you know, TV mm -hmm. and just not doing stuff, you know, not looking at stuff. Um, 
if you see yourself doing that, you know, you need to rest, you know, you need to rest and you know, you need to take care of yourself as a business person. Absolutely. Because as a solopreneur, it is, it, you know, we're not going to sugarcoat it. It's hard, you know, it's hard to keep going and to keep all the plates spinning and to keep consistency in your business. So if you notice that you're sliding into, you know, the, the less helpful habits or ways of being, uh, that's, that's a red flag to take care of yourself, to double down and taking care of yourself, I would think. Yeah, absolutely. And to look at the strengths of your type. Oh, remind yourself, wow, um, I'm, I'm a three. I really know how to get this done. Yeah. I mean, I need some rest right now, but I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think like, cause if, once you can acknowledge them, you can lean into them. Yeah. You know, like you said, I call them. And it's really fascinating because, um, if you have been following along on our podcast last week, we put up the podcast about Colby or they're going to follow in this series, the Colby, this will follow the Colby one. And this that. is good because it really is um, leaning into what your core motivators are and what's motivating you into action and strengths along that way, where the Colby is like, what is your kind of go-to action mode? So I can see how really, you know, I'm going to play now that we've had this conversation is how, how do I use these two really distinct and unique Mm-hmm. you know, assessments of myself um, in this business owning and growth world. Yeah, my really- brain is already, just in you saying that, meaning my brain is doing its rubric cube thing. I'm like, oh, if six is the healthy way to go and I'm a quick start, you know, I need to put those two things together and see how I make yeah. it all work. Um, yeah, it's it seems like there's, we could just keep diving really deep on this, Leanne. I know I, I have a strong sense that we would like to have you back for a part two, because we've, we've really just scratched the surface here and yeah. I want to kind of play around with it and read up a little bit more. Cause I feel like I don't even know the questions to ask because it's still so new to me. Right. Um, yeah, do that. Um, then we can be the weirdo, um, Enneagram types and just, then we can just, around. yeah. Talk in any Enneagram <laughs> language. Yeah. My four showing. Yeah. <laughs> sorry guys (laughs) I love it but I have I do have another question for you Leanne like if you wanted to grow your business and lean what what's your triad tell me again you said yeah I'm a I'm a core four so I go to a one in health and a two in stress okay so to grow your business like just to give people kind of the map for how you do it, maybe somebody else out there will score kind of the way you score. Um, what would you do? How would, what would be red flags? Like, oh, I need to watch out for this or I need to lean into this. What would you do? Right, I uh, love that question. Also, you're being a coach right now. I am. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was sneaky. I, I thought maybe you wouldn't notice. <laughs> so the red flag I think would be go to the giving to and trying to be a chameleon wanting to oh hey what do they want I'll I can do that I can be that I can give you what you want um go towards a one in health um what are the right things to do how do I need to organize myself to get my business started jump into that don't be afraid um and and 
rely on my core, the health of my core is I am an individualist. I have a unique thing to offer here. Mm. So all three of those. Nice. Oh, I love that. Beautiful. Very helpful. Yeah. Very helpful. All right. Well, I, I definitely think we're going to have you back if you would oh, be willing to do it again. I would love to. Thank you. Yeah. This has just been really fun to learn about the Enneagram and to talk about how to use it once you have those scores, because these tests can be really frustrating and that you go to all the time and effort. And then it's just like, that was great. <laughs> but right. now I feel with this one in particular, I, I like how it's a map. Anything you can tell me is a map I'm going to love. So <laughs> yeah, I'm motivated to, my motivation right now is to read more, to get the book and read through it. Excellent. And then you were going to give us some um, yes. recommendations for that. And we'll put them in the liner notes. Yeah, good. And if somebody wants to work with you, Leanne, how do they find you and get in touch with you? I'm at leannepotet.net. So L-E-A-N-N-E-P-O-T-E-E-T.net. Super. We'll have that in the, we'll Thank put you. that link in there too. So people. Beautiful. Thanks can learn. Oh, wait, and, but tell, tell people like your precise kind of coaching. What do you kind of lean toward doing? Like Leah, I can speak. Um, I've been coached by Leanne. She's a wonderful coach. So I, I would highly recommend working with her. She's very, um, very gentle, very intuitive, perceptive. And um, I, I think therefore, you know, very effective. So what do you, what kind of clients do you typically work with? Or do, do you want to work with? Yeah, anybody who's, uh, I, I typically work with parents, actually, um, and I, because I love that, and it's such a challenge, it's like the biggest mm -hmm. challenge you'll ever love, um, being a parent, Yeah. Um, okay. but yeah, anybody who loves personal growth, I, I love to do that kind of work. Um, yeah, okay, all well, right, beautiful. Thank you so much. We appreciate your time today and your knowledge and expertise. Thank you. It was really fun. All right. Thank you for listening to Getting Rich After Divorce. We're so happy you were here. We truly value each and every one of you. Yes, um, we, we sure do. And be sure to subscribe to us wherever you're catching us, whether it's on you know, through a podcast platform or on YouTube, uh, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating if you feel like you deserve that um, and, and join our community so you get updates and, and stick with us.